Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Language Lounge. My name is Michelle Ola, and today I am very happy to have Bethany Carlson Drew here with me. Hi, Bethany, how are you doing? Hello, great. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an yeah. honor to be here. Oh, and are you loving your summer? I know that's your your hashtag is is love my summer, right? I always love my summer. Uh, I love what I do, and I love summer also. Um, and one definitely feeds into the other. So yes, I love my summer all yes. the time. And if you had my summer, you'd love it too. That's so. awesome. That's fantastic. So there's a, on, you've got a little bit of summer left. Some depending on when this airs, some most everybody will be back to school probably. Down here in Florida, we've already been, they've already gone back um, and, and in much of the South. But either way, um, we hope everyone enjoyed their summer and I'm glad you still have a little bit of time to enjoy. So, we're going to talk today about using, I love how you put this. And so, I want to make sure I get it right Ver- versatile, low prep, high yield templates. And there's a lot going on there to kind of deconstruct, but basically, we got to stop working so hard on things that maybe aren't as effective as we think they are, or make sure if we're working hard, we're working hard doing the right thing. Is that a good kind of entry point? I would say, this? yeah. I, and definitely, you know, there's an old phrase of work smarter, not harder, right? And so yeah. that comes into play too. And I guess another like kind of principle that floats about in my head is the things that we do the most often are the things that we learn or acquire the best right and yet as teachers we sometimes get um we're almost like the hamster on the hamster wheel just spinning our wheels trying to come up with what are we going to do tomorrow how am i going to do this so there's there's an element of that that's good it keeps us you know it keeps us on our toes creative yeah sure but also i think we almost do ourselves in sometimes by instead of developing strategies or templates that can go from unit to unit, from level to level, from language to language even, um, by not doing that, then we put ourselves even more on that spinny hamster wheel. And so one of the things that I've been working on for the last couple of years, the last few years, uh, personally, has been how can I like how can I streamline some of those things? And how can I invest my time into things that are going to get me big bang for my buck? And also, how can I create some some systems or some activity templates or some approaches that uh, I can, that once I've got that template made, then it just means that I can um, apply it, maybe tweak it just a little bit. But I'm not having to start all over again, and uh, it helps to kind of quell the uh, um, beast that eats up all of our time, right? Yeah. Um, and so I get to spend more of the time on the things I have to, um, rather than the anxiety-inducing component of what am I going to do with A, B, and C. So. I love that. I love that you said systems, um, because I don't think, you know, I think sometimes there's this, you know, bad impression or misinterpretation that you're, if you're going to be a good teacher and a highly effective teacher, you don't get a life. (laughs) Like you don't get to, you have to be working evenings and always creating and always doing all of this stuff. 
And you can be a highly effective teacher and have systems that make it easier for you to do that so that you can be creative with maybe the content, but not the structure, right? Or, you know, you have some flexibility. It's kind of like that. um, The more structure you have, the more flexible you can be in some Mm -hmm. ways, right? Mm -hmm. So I love hearing that. So yeah. And I would say too, that like, by doing this, it, it affords you space, right? It affords you headspace. It affords you some energy space. And that's good because sometimes all of a sudden next year you get a new prep. Well, guess what? You don't have to start everything all over just because it's a new class. You've already got some things that you're familiar with and you can roll over. Right? Or, or if you need to spend more time on that class, it's okay because you know you have high quality structures in place already. And I think that's one thing that, um, that needs some emphasis too, is that we aren't talking about just saying, okay, here's a worksheet, roll it out, right? Or here is a digital tool and you're just going to go do that while I go do this. I mean, each of those has their time and their place, but it's not just like hand them a packet and that's your structure. What we're talking about is still continuing to use high quality teaching but without um wearing yourself out i love that because i think we all if you're in the classroom you have creative spurts and you also have times when your Mm -hmm. energy is low and you're maybe struggling to kind of get all the you know things done that you have to and instead of going from you know, super high, best thing ever to super low, I'm, I'm putting in a movie, <laughs> like the, the equivalent of doing that. And we've all done that at, at various points. But this is kind of, you know, you can kind of mitigate that a little bit by kind of prepping ahead. Um, I love that. And it, and it makes it, you know, like you said, a, more structure for the teacher. Talk about um, structure for students as well. Do you feel like this also is helpful for students mm-hmm. and and what's your experience with that in your classroom yeah there are two examples in particular that come to mind from the student perspective number one is that as we said one of the things that comes into learning anything new is that there's a time sink into it but once you've done it once then your time sink gets less right so when i say to students like Hey, we are going to uh, we're going to do lucky reading game, for example, from Anne Marie Chase. Um, after I've taught it to them once, they know what we're going to do, and then whereas it might take us, you know, ten minutes to get it set up and rolling the first time, the second and third time it only takes us, you know, four or five. So it becomes something that is say low prep, high yield, but also efficient, right? And so, and what we do the most often, like we said, we remember the most often, right? So there's that level of familiarity a little bit of the activity structures for students when we use them more than once, right? Another, though, is that one of the things that um, I start class with, and this used to be just in my lower level classes, but now it's in all the way up through my AP classes as well is we start the period with like a daily dashboard accompanied with a warm-up. And on the warm-up, my classes meet every other day, basically on a rotating schedule. So our warm-up sheet has entries for five days, but for us that lasts two weeks. 
right? And so we have a warm-up sheet. It, they're, whatever it is that they're doing, they do right there on their warm-up sheet. Also at their warm-up, we announce what, uh, and on our dashboard, we announce um, you know, the date, what's coming up, what's due. So even an assignment maybe that we haven't gotten to yet that period, but is due by the next class, we're going to announce it at the beginning of the period. And on that warm-up sheet, there's a spot for them to write that down, too. So those two things. But then on that warm-up sheet, they start class with that every day. Um, and at the end of it, there's a, like a zip grade um, little form so we can do a little quizzing and a little practice quizzing with instant feedback. And there are some SEL-type uh, questions to check in with them. So I get that feedback from them every two weeks without having to do anything extra. Right? It's already just made, ready to go. And the reason I say that, that um, I see that impact with students is there have been days where, oh, we had a fire drill or what, you know, whatever, just any of the myriad of things know, that happen that come <laughs> sure. along. And I've tried to skip it. And they were just like discombobulated. Right? Yeah. Well, just what, but what, what, what should we put? Right. And here's the thing. And I'm trusting that none of them are listening to our podcast. Um, I don't actually grade them. I mean, they, they're expected right. to do them. And I read the SEL component and provide and give feedback to every kid on every sheet. But they still haven't figured out that they haven't graded. That's fine. If we don't do it, they're just like, well, but what should we put for today? And like, we'll be off. Like, right. They're used to that. They're used to that routine, that habit, Mm -hmm. that that system Mm -hmm. that you've set up. And that gives them that sense of this is how we start our class, right? This is a sense of like, we can't really start if we haven't done this, right? Right. And I, you know, the first couple, the first couple times that I didn't quite catch on, I was like, yeah, just, yeah, just take away. But I'll say, and that's for all kids. Now, for some of our students who learn differently and mm-hmm. process things around them differently, um, that seems to have been one of the things that helps to, you know, just calm, calm the storm yeah. because it's predictable. We're going to start with this. We know we're going to do this. We're going to go over that on the last day of the rotation. We're going to do this and we're going to have, you know, I mean, like just that process that system that's in place is great and now you asked about the student side i'll say one more thing about this from the teacher side that gives me six seven minutes at the start of the period certainly to do attendance but it's also things like transitioning from teaching spanish one to teaching ap you know and those are not set up the same way right yeah use the same sheet no, right. that's great. And, yeah. And so the thing is, is that that gives that buys me a few minutes to kind of mentally reset as well. Yeah. Um, and, and your so, students, they're going. They yeah. might be coming from biology, math, yeah. PE. God forbid, yeah. lunch. You know, they need yeah. time to settle into your class and your routine as well. Right. And while it's really important, the truth of it also is that, um, say, if we have a student coming in late, well. They've missed stuff, but they haven't missed stuff, if that makes sense. You know, um, if they miss a day, they miss a day, Um, you know, and 
especially if you have a, like a first period class where kids are coming in late or the buses were running behind or whatever, whatever the deal is, it buys you a little bit of time before you, you know, the actual show gets started. So. Yeah, which again, um, makes your class time more effective. You're not repeating the lesson or the beginning right. of your lesson of your comprehensible input, whatever you're doing for yeah. those people like on a sliding scale as they come in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that would be, I guess that would be kind of the two things that come to mind from a student perspective. It's just that predictability and familiarity um, so that we don't have to reteach the activity each time. Yeah. And then that... Um, the warm-up sheet in particular makes a big difference. I love it. That's great. Well, so tell me, so we already hopped right into some of the what's, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, that we kind of established those, those whys. And I think that is just so, like you said, that is just so important. It's not just about the physical time that you're saving or being more efficient and effective. It's also your mental energy in creating or recreating this same sort of experience, Mm -hmm. you know, every day, but it's more intentional, right? Mm -hmm. We all might have our classroom routines, but this is much more intentional and almost visible, which I think, Mm -hmm. again, helps all students, I would say, Um, Mm -hmm. but in particular, those that need that, that, that structure, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, what are some other what are some other systems that you that you have, or you can dig into that one a little bit more? Yeah. But it sounds like we kind of I have a good picture of what mm-hmm. that that beginning you know of, of classroom system sort of looks like. Um, what mm-hmm. other systems do you have that you recommend I, or that you've used? Um, I mentioned the daily dashboard, but that's another one, and that goes kind of hand in hand with the warm up. I actually usually start with the warm up, and then after we do the warm up, we click through the daily dashboard, which is just kind of things like the date, um, what's coming up. I mean, so that could be, oh, by the way, next Monday we don't have school kind of coming up, but just kind of communicating those kind of things. Um, important dates um, and like what I want to make sure that they've handed in if they have to hand something in. And then also just um, assignments that are coming up. And so we talk about that kind of after we've gotten settled in, we've done the warm up, we've kind of focused, sets our, our, our layout for the class for the day, and then boom, away we go, right? But yeah. especially the component about communicating dates and due dates and stuff like that at the beginning of class rather than just in the shuffle at the end. Right. right as they're, they're totally tuned out and not paying any yeah, attention anymore, exactly, anyways. <laughs> exactly. And that also affords us the time for students to ask questions if they have to, you know, like, is this, you know, is this assignment due on Tuesday or on Thursday, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, um, as opposed to trying to follow that out as everyone just talking up and shuffling in the door. So has been really effective for us. And if we have to adjust it, we adjust it. Mm-hmm. Our closing slide for the day is a condensed version of that, where um, we hit those highlights of what's due when. And so it's kind of like the bookends, right? That that system is in place. Another uh, system uh, is that, so I teach what I kind of jokingly refer to as a French or German or Latin teacher schedule, which is instead of having the traditional just one or two preps, oh no. Um, I know exactly what you're going to say here. (laughs) So I have, I have four. for next year and I teach in a large school with a lot of teachers but it's just kind of the way that it worked out and 
where my talents lie, where my mm-hmm. interests lie, and where my specialties lie. Um, so along those lines, another way of slowing down that hamster wheel is I'm going to, oftentimes, when possible, I'm going to do the same activity across all classes, uh, just adjust it for that class. In other words, if I'm going to haul out the toys, <laughs> we're going to play with them in all, in all the classes and um, and just have the content adjusted. Now, certainly that doesn't always work. But on the other hand, like one of, if we have, let's say we're playing a Jenga game, um, which is a fun kind of interactive, um, but material heavy um, activity. And by material heavy, I mean, we have to haul out, you know, like, there's prep Jenga sets. Right? Yeah, right. You have to yeah. get this stuff out, put it away, clean it up, right. do, you know, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So if I'm going to haul that out, then I'm going to want, I want to use it for more than one period, right? And so then I'll try and kind of streamline it that way. Another kind of different version of that system is um, to a certain extent trying to do the same thing on designated days. Mm. So like we always try and do uh listening and reading every day but maybe if i'm going to set up like a speaking activity for one class probably going to set it up for or i'm sorry let me say that again but so we do listening and reading almost every day but if we want to designate fridays as the days where we're going to do some sort of recorded speaking assessment Mm -hmm. something like that trying to look at the schedule that way. I know a lot of people do that with their warm-ups, for example, that Monday is this day, Tuesday is this day, et cetera. Um, and that, is, that can be really effective as well. But just kind of, again, reducing like the decision fatigue that yes. has to happen. Because if it's Wednesday, we're doing this. One example of that in our class is that we do um, weekend, I call it weekend update, weekend forecast. So weekend chat, basically. But because of the nature of our schedule, where, again, we're on rotating days, that means that the first day of the week for one set of classes mm. is Monday, but the other set for that week will be Tuesday, etc. So to do weekend chat about what you did, we do that on Monday and on Tuesday. And then weekend forecast of what you're about to do, we do that on Thursday and on Friday. But then we have Wednesday, right? So organically, yeah. that became something that we called midweek pop date, oh. which is <laughs> which is just that we want to we want to hear about your dogs. I or, love or, or that. Well, you know, we are, we want restricted to dogs, but we hit a streak for a while where it just seemed that somebody every Wednesday was getting a new dog, right? And this is pre-pandemic, even you know, where everybody got a dog. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So we're like, okay, bust out the pictures. We want to see who who's got a dog that we can talk about, and and we're talking about it in Spanish, of course. Um, and the, don't get me wrong, the the seniors love this just as much as the freshmen. Yeah. You know, and in fact, sometimes they're a little more passionate about it. You know? That's great. You know, um, but just planning that that's what we're going to do on those days and pre-planning that. Um, you know, gets it ready. Even something like using um, chat mats, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, is 
one of the things that I have a bunch of up on my blog and stuff. Even having those ready means that those are ready to go for any level, for any class. You know, again, like say first period, um, all the buses came late and you only got 20 minutes of class. Okay, great. But second period, you've got all cl- all the classes. Well, no problem. We're going to talk about weekend chat longer. Mm-hmm. And we can do that. And we can do some more activities by already having those resources created, ready to roll. So those would be kind of two of, two of, kind of the system parts. Um, I really I love that. That's just, I mean, I really think that one of the things I really hope people hear from what you said is, you know, you can have the same topic, the same theme, the same activity and just differentiate it by the level, you know, and, and so even just doing that, um, sometimes Mm -hmm. our resources are set up so that, you know, unit one is about whatever family, but unit two or unit one and level two is about something, you know, about school and then it reverses, right? So as much as you can align your curriculum as well, Mm -hmm. so that you're, you know, kind of, uh, you know, doing the same topics, the same subjects, you can use some of the same novels or authentic resources, and then just change that level mm-hmm. of what is the expectation is, what the vocabulary is, you know, going deeper, et cetera. Right then and there is, is adding to that ability to, you know, have that, that core that's going to be easier for you, but it's still highly effective. You're still talking about themes right. and things, then skills and words and things that they need to know and be able to do. It's just obviously at a different sort of level. So I think yeah. that's really key. And even like when we're talking, you know, jokingly a little bit about midweek pup date, but <laughs> you could, I mean, there's a lot of mileage that comes out of that, right? Oh, yeah. But even in level one, you know, we, the conversation is do you have a dog? Do you have a cat? Right. Well, very soon, very soon, someone says, not wants to say, well, how do I say I used to? Well, lo and behold, here yeah. we are, early level one, and authentically and appropriately, not taking a d- deep dive into past tense. No, right, we, they just right. want to say how I used to have, right? But we start planting some of those seeds that we get to reap later on. Yeah, that's But fantastic. in our other level classes. I bet you get if, in debates. <laughs> What's we the best breed it. of dog? Like dog exactly. versus cat, right? If, you could get all kinds of controversy going on and, and exactly. excitement. If you and had interest. a pet other than a dog, what would you have? Yes. Again, like it's, I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that our point is for communication and communication with real people about real things. Yes. And we get, that gets lost in the, in the, yeah, overwhelming cloud sometimes that can be we'd have to finish x y and z by this yeah. stage kind of thing but actually what we're supposed to be working on is you know so yeah, yeah so things like that definitely love it. come into play so i love it well you, we've gotten such good tips already so tell us some more so what are some more systems that you have set up i would um let's see the next thing that i would say would be kind of more um how to take one resource and spin it several different ways so it doesn't seem like it's the same thing but it really is and one great example of that would be if you have questions or comprehension um, type work or something like that over a story or over something that you've listened to or something like that 
So for example, I'll put in a little plug for Wayside. Those questions that come in the amazing teacher's guides that come with like the readers. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with using them as a worksheet. However, there are also ways of being able to take that prepared set of questions and turning that into, I was brainstorming. I've got one, two, three, four, like four different games that you, that if you have those questions, your prep is basically done. And so um, one of them, oops, sorry, I miscounted. This is why I teach math. Five (laughs) different games. Um, But uh, the lucky reading game, which I I mentioned from Anne-Marie Chase, using Jenga, uh, using Beanie Baby Grab or Pencil Grab, some people call it. Basically, just read it if it's true, grab it if it's false, leave it alone kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And then a couple of like cup games that are really fun. One called Upside Down, one called Cup Stack. And we can link right. Uh, That'd be great if you have those. Yeah. But the truth is, is that all you need is the the questions and the answers. And then, you know, some of them need some whiteboards or something like that. But like the thinking part is done. The rest is just logistics. And so if you're working with a reader, for example, well, there's five different games and the chapters usually are, are the books are usually like, oh, you know, 10 chapters long. Okay. So you do one every two chapters and poof, you've got like a high energy, very low prep, but also like high impact activity for each one. And so it just becomes a matter of just knowing how to set them up. But I promise you that easy. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said too. Like sometimes I feel like we feel like we have to create everything ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, it's not the end of the world if you use a worksheet and adapt it, right? Change it, uh, you know, take what you have, use all of the resources that you have and, you know, you can creatively remix them into you know, a, a variety of effective, um, you know, activities and learning experiences. And I think that's another smart thing to kind of to bring up that sometimes, yeah. you know, creating your own questions from scratch is just, you know, you know, at some point, you don't need to do that, like, be selective, you know, look at all your resources, choose the best ones, and then use the heck out of them. I love that, right. that plan. Right. And that goes back to kind of, again, that work smarter, not harder kind of thing. Yeah. You, you already bought the teacher's guide. Yeah. Use it. Okay. So use it, you know. What I mean? And, you know, oftentimes the, the activities that are in there are so rich and so plentiful that it's hard to be able to use them all. Well, this is one way to be able to maybe mix and match and stuff like that. But just, I, uh, you know, I, I'm very much, I very much enjoy the teacher's guides that Wayside makes and such. But huh. I promise I would say that even if it's if it weren't a waste. <laughs> That's I'm so just funny. telling you, like they're good yeah, stuff. Yeah, but, but there are resources, like high quality resources out there that you yeah. can take advantage of. Yeah. One of the things that I love when you talk about reusing things is I love myself a good set of visual flashcards, and you know a big picture of all of the vocabulary and little individual ones, and you can do so many things with little decks of picture cl- yep. flashcards from output activities to just comprehension, hold it up. If you hear me say it to all sorts of games, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of, you know, interactive cooperative learning sort of things. There's so many things. Um, and it's just a simple, <laughs> you know, a simple, you know, visual picture, you know, picture card okay. side or sort of a thing. And so recombining those 
in different ways at different levels with different language, but using that same kind of deck or expanding it a little bit for, you know, different vocabulary, but, you know, looking at all the things you have and just, you know, squeezing every (laughs) ounce of, you know, usefulness out of those resources instead of, I'm a chaser after new stuff. I'll admit it. And I finally Mm -hmm. have learned not to, I don't need five books on the same thing. And at some point you have enough ideas, (laughs) you have enough good ways to teach, right? Like let's just double down on, on those really, you know, the ones that we really enjoy, our students really enjoy and, you know, add a few new things in. I'm not saying don't learn anything new, but, but be selective of what you add in. And then if you add it in, maybe let something else go. So, uh, you know, yeah, I I 100% agree. And I was just kind of having a little uh, thought of, I remember when, I I think what you just said is especially true in our modern technology era, because it used to be to have really good stuff for your classroom. It involved, uh, you know, a plane ticket and three extra suitcases, right? Yep. Because you were going to load up. Now, I still do. Oh, yeah. There's still nothing like a good uh, menu stolen from another country. Exactly. My husband has learned by now that he holds up a receipt to me or something like that before he throws away and says, do you want this one? You know, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, the truth is that in modern times, we have so many things to choose from at our fingertips that are easy access that it becomes a matter of like curating what works best for our classes. And I think that to me comes back to what we started with is that I've been really working hard over the last few years at curating um, things that are consistently effective, that help to promote um, what we want, you know, our goals as far as the language learning and language acquisition journey, while also being reflective of who the students are that are in front of me. Yeah. I can have the best laid plans, but if it doesn't match with them, then it's not working so hot. So it becomes a matter of curating of all the things, what's going to be the best strategy in this place that helps them to learn, helps them to acquire language, and helps to keep me balanced and happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what, what you're also bringing beyond that, because I think that's kind of, you know, like that's a great, that's a good idea. But I think what your extra, your extra special sauce that you're adding is then putting those things into a system so that you don't, they don't fall off your radar. You're, you're consistently using these things. You've got a, a way to bring them in, in an intentional way. Cause I think it's the two parts. Cause I can have some great things, but if I don't have the system that those go in, mm-hmm. they're going to fall by the wayside or I'm going to rediscover them three months later, or I'm not, I'm going to underuse them or, or I'm going to overuse something else if I don't have that system in place. Right. So I really love that, that extra thing that you're adding by not just intentionally choosing your activities, but also having a system to deliver those, mm-hmm. like the format to be the most mm-hmm. effective. So yeah. I think that's great. Um, I would, as far as other activities, um, I have a standard set of questions that I use for almost any reading or any audio, um, and also have kind of a standard template for doing current events in target language and such. And also, there again, having you know, three or four ways of being able to take those standard questions and to play them out in class. So sometimes it'll just be 
if we've done like a current event and their students are ready to talk about their current event, sometimes it's a small group setting. Sometimes it's like speed dating. Sometimes it's a Sarah Breckley special two-line rotation with no repeated partners kind of situation. But the thing is, is that the constant is the current events or the, or the reading and the questions that were assigned for those. So I'm not creating new questions every time. We have new content, but same, um, kind of same format for processing it. And then we have some options for how we're going to interact. Yeah. And so that becomes, again, kind of one of those one activity done four or five different ways, but without me having to create four or five different activities. Um, uh, another of those would be um, using some strategies from uh, from a book called Seven Steps for an Interactive Foreign Language Classroom. Are you serious? Yes. I'm literally, I'm showing, I'm holding uh, up my yes. book. I bought it yesterday. It came in the mail yesterday. I just saw somebody post something on it. I'm like, oh, I've never heard that one. I and my minimalism book. of not buying too many books went out the window. Um, and I just cracked it open today. So we'll yeah. link this in the bottom. I'm glad you, you're yes. recommending it because I haven't read it yet at all. But um, it looked great. And some great people were talking about it. So yeah, so great. So tell us, I'm so excited so, that this is uh, that this was timely. <laughs> Um, there are so many things in that book. Um, I love it. One is roving paragraph frames, which is a method of scaffolding writing with multiple partners and having a motion component. So like students pair up, they have a prompt that the teacher provides for them, like a sentence stem, and then they finish the sentence kind of share it with each other, help each other edit, and then time to go to a new partner, get a new stem. And you repeat that process a few times. But what you're doing along the way is because the teacher is providing the stem, you are supporting all students in, you know, a lot of times they know what they want to, or they know what they want to say. They just don't know how to get started with it, right? So sentence stems are super helpful in that regard. And teachers providing them but along the way, each step of the um, rotations that you do while you build this paragraph, they also share what they've written with their partners and have the opportunity for them to get feedback from each other um, before they continue that process. Then they put it together in a paragraph, wordsmith it, hand it in, and you have a formative assessment if you wish. Yeah. Um, or just just simply some practice and some interaction and you know testing that out. But that format is um, from I believe it's from Seven Steps, and I have a template um, like a slides template that mm. I can share. That is um, the like where the it's set up for teachers. So like instead of the prompt, it's like teachers replace this text with oh you know, yeah kind of perfect thing. yeah. But see, that again is one of those systems. Yeah. Because now that that template is done, it takes me four or five minutes to create that activity, right? Because I need to come up with the sentence stems, but otherwise the activity stays the same. 
And if and you so use it, students know it and right. they get used to it. And it's, I mean, because all of those things that you mentioned with coming up with those sessions, peer editing, sharing, feedback, final mm-hmm. drafts, I'm like, oh yeah, everybody would agree. That's a great thing to do, but we don't mm-hmm. always know how to do it or we don't do it in a systematic way where you're getting the most of it. So exactly. I love that. Exactly. Another thing, this is a little tangent, but another thing from seven steps I love is that they they do have a whole bunch of uh, section on set and stems and also even like connectors, but they also even have a section on patients from them that is what to say when you don't know what to say. And another one is um, supporting students about the teacher not accepting the answer. I don't know. Mm. Like, what are some things that they can say instead? And those are laid out in multiple languages in the book. So like, could I ask a friend, could you repeat the question? Could, you know, and Mm -hmm. so these things become um, a word wall. Wow, that's great. I love it. um, Two more that kind of come to mind. Um, Another template-based one is delayed dictation, which is uh, inspired by stuff from um, Breaking the Sound Barrier um, by Giancanto Franti. Oh, I just missed Gianfranco Conti. I'm so sorry, Gianfranco. I just spoke (laughs) your name the first time. Uh, But the idea is that students, that a teacher reads a passage, reads it a few times, and then there's a 10-second delay before they get to write. And then they're trying to write what was dictated, and then we reveal what was said. And that time delay component is important because it's one of the things that's working on their working memory. And that we're working on accuracy, but also, again, not a graded activity, but developing some of those micro listening skills that that we need. Um, And so that is something that, again, to set up once we have the slide set up is a matter of just plugging in the sentences that we're going to use for the dictation. And again, going back to the idea of the same thing across all classes. When we're doing roving paragraph frames in one class, we're probably doing them in yeah. at least one of the others, right? Same thing. If we're doing delayed dictation in one class, probably doing it in the others. But of course, just what they're dictating or what they're writing about, yeah. stuff like that has added. Um, and the last That's so part, much easier for you not to have to switch gears too, just mentally going back and forth. It's, you know... Sometimes you're exhausted at the end of the day, not just because you're presenting the whole time, but but that you're switching gears back and forth, like constantly to meet the needs of those students and the different expectations and the different levels. And so staying in that one sort of mode, um, I would think at the end of the day, you're going to feel less, (laughs) maybe a little, maybe a little less, um, you know, just with that energy drain. Well, and I think going into planning, you know, it's it's a certain amount of energy drain saying like, oh, I have to come up with an activity for this class and I have to come up with an activity for this class. It's a different thing to say, I need five dictated sentences for each class because the activity template, the activity design, the system is already in place. It's just a matter of switching out the ones from the last unit to 
this unit kind of thing. Yeah, and if you're not putting your creative energy or your energy into developing that system or that format, you can put it into the quality of the the content that you're trying mm-hmm. to get that you can really think about like what questions do I really want them to answer or what do they what, what do I really want them to do? You can be much more thoughtful, I think, about the actual content and not worry it when you're not worrying about that format. Right. Awesome. And and the uh, the one caveat that I would put on that is, as long as the activity design itself is high quality and supporting what we want to be aiming for, then we can just adjust the content that goes into it, right? Yeah. And so, like going back to roving paragraph frames, there is uh, reading, there's listening, there's speaking, there's writing, there's peer editing, there's critical analysis. And there's movement, and depending on one component, even a little bit of levity and, and yeah. silliness kind of thrown in to one activity that once I have the template, takes me, like I said, like five, yeah. six minutes to prepare, which means if I'm doing it in two classes, then in 15 minutes, I have them both done, done. as far as yeah. that goes, right? That's and great. So, yeah. So I think it's just important to go back yeah. to that it's not just an activity that we can use across all classes, right? but it's one that's deep and rich with content. Yes. Yeah. So Excellent. Uh, the last one that I would say is one that we call 45 seconds or Ooh. 20 seconds if you're in level one. Um, <laughs> and it is, it's exactly the same activity, just different time. So we come up with some topics that relate to either just generic we want to help you talk topics or to- uh, topics that are like topics and subtopics of our current unit so like we um in the film uh, or when we did a unit with like Land Philharmonic, um then some of our topics were like paraguay um environmental strategies um music um the your opinion of the film you know i mean just kind of so they're related but they each one is different put each one on a card and students in pairs or in small groups one person draws a card and they have to talk about it for 45 seconds in target language um and then the other person times so and then they switch and keep going through until they get through their things so as I say, for level one, we of course do level one topics, but we set the timer at like 20 seconds, right? To be more appropriate for their um, for their skill level. So for a level one topic, it might be something like, we do a unit on superheroes. So it'd be my favorite villain, um, my uh, colors in a superhero suit. Um, you know, let's see. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever, uh, my favorite uh, superhero. Yeah. Um, so whatever the topic is, doesn't matter. You can brainstorm the list. And then we use those as mini speaking activities where we're trying to work on building the students' spontaneous speaking skills. And I call them semi-spontaneous because yes. <laughs> it's already chosen, right? But it's but it's also not as um, that's scripted, dictated, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Scripted. And what we're looking, what we're working for is this is a vertical alignment strategy. 
as well as a review strategy. Because when we get to AP, for example, um, they have to be able to speak on the spot about something that has been predetermined, but that they haven't been able to rehearse for. Yeah. Um, and in real life, same thing. You know, we, we can know some topics, but we don't usually go with a key card laying yeah. out what we're going to talk about. And so um, kind of gamifying it a little bit, um, you know, putting a little bit of pressure on, but keeping it still mm-hmm. low because it's just from one person for there again, that activity takes so little time to set up, especially if you do it over the course of the unit where you're like, oh, this one would be a good one. And just kind of keep like a, a, a list, so to speak, of what your topics would be. And then toward the end, before you get to a final assessment or when you need a speaking activity, whatever it might be, then poof, you know, print them out, set for each group and away we go. So, um, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. You've come up, you've had such that you've just added like five or six, I mean, maybe you were at five or six really strong, you know, systems and templates that, that teachers can, that, that teachers can use. Um, anything that you were, you know, that Bethany's going to share, we'll put in the show notes um, along with the recommendations of the the books that we mentioned. Um, but what I, I just really love is just that idea that, we don't have to kill ourselves and work hard to have high quality instruction for our students that is fun, engaging, personalized. And, and, you know, the, having these systems set up is just a really good way to start working on that because there's so many great teachers out there doing so many great things and spending lots and lots of time and energy doing those. And so any way that we can conserve that not just for the short-term enjoyment of the profession but also to keep people in the profession longer because mm-hmm. I know it's kind of expected you know those first couple of years you're working super long super hard you're figuring it out but that shouldn't be going on still in year 10 or year 12 or year 15 because we're going to burn our, our entire profession if we're not careful mm-hmm. right and so high quality yeah. and making it easier for the teacher and meaningful for the students aren't either ors. They're not, you know, do one or the other. You can do them both. And I think that's what I really love about your approach and and what you're bringing and what you're you're sharing with teachers. Okay. Yeah, it's um, you know, our families deserve it too. Yeah. Right? You're right. I mean, and yeah, I know next week when I when we go back to school, we've already planned ahead that DoorDash will be coming. I've already doing some cooking this week, that kind of thing, because I know I'll just be, yeah. but that's not sustainable throughout the year, right? And so, you know, once the systems get rolling, boy, that certainly helps at home too. I'm a a lot better mom. Absolutely. Yeah. And teacher. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Well, thank you so much, Bethany. Was there anything else that you would like to add that you hadn't had a chance or any final kind of um, notes? And I don't even think I even introduced you in the beginning. We like hopped right into the topic. (laughs) So we'll make sure to put your bio will be in the show notes. I know you were the 2022 teacher of the year, right? For North Carolina. Congratulations on that. I mean, you've got like all these accolades and, and things that we just kind of skipped till the end, but we'll put all (laughs) of that in the show notes. And, and, uh, is there any final, final comments that you'd like to say? I would just say, you know, um, 
that this is this is a very hard profession, but it is one that I'm honored to be a part of. You know, um, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. But on the other hand, we as a profession can do a lot to help ourselves and to help each other. And so my hope is that this has given teachers some uh, some strategies to make that happen, um, to make that go better for them, but also share your ideas, you know, present at conferences, um, participate in, um, in social media even, but share those ideas and be willing to get ideas from others because that's how we strengthen ourselves, how we strengthen the experience for our students, and how we strengthen our families. And our families. That's so fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Father. I really appreciate it. And, you know, we'll put your your socials in the in the notes and please comment on it. And, you know, if other people have some, some systems that they have set up, we would love to hear those. And we'll share all of this um, when this comes out on, on social media. Thank you again. Thank you.